Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi there. You're listening to More Than Potential, and I want to have a conversation about Kevin Samuels, but not necessarily about him, more of what he represents. So let's be clear, um, when I started talk, when I started talking about Kevin, keep in mind that I'm just like starting the engine of the car. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm not going to land here. I'm not going to end up here, but this is going to get me to where I want to go. So before I do that, just want to say thank you so much to everyone who has listened to this podcast so far. I really appreciate it. Be sure to uh, review the podcast and send me your thoughts on Instagram via DM or TikTok. Um, Of course, you can review the podcast and rate it on Apple Podcasts. That actually helps me a lot and it makes it easier for people to find the podcast when they search for it. So once again, thank you so much and... Yeah, let's get into it. So let's let's just start out by saying this, right? When I see the state of the Black community, I think Kevin Samuels and the conversation around him is probably one of the best things that could happen. Meaning, I think... Kevin Samuels is necessary, actually. I think it's going to take someone like him for people to get the point. And what do I mean by that? I'll explain. Just stick with me. Stick with me. So, okay. Y'all know who Kevin is. Kevin Samuels is like a, a love coach dating guru, image, what is it called? Image consultant. You know, this is a guy who has a background in sales, who knows marketing. Um, This guy is pretty good at branding himself as an objective purveyor of truth. He is the voice of a lot of Black men who are frustrated with their circumstances. They are frustrated with where they're at in life, they're especially frustrated with Black women. And so they desire to have their interests reflected and their perspectives conveyed to a mainstream audience. Um, Listening to Black men talk about the subject, it does appear that they feel, regardless of whether it's true or not, they feel as though they have been maligned and disrespected, and they never get a chance to tell their quote-unquote side of the story. Kevin Samuels offers this perspective, and he does something that a lot of Black men haven't been able to do before, which is make themselves a mainstream attraction. Uh, Before this point, we've had a lot of Black men who have had the same talking points. But they were largely confined to the manosphere space 
where a lot of the creeps and weirdos and neckbeards go. So they didn't really get the same level of mainstream shine. You know, they were rough around the edges. They cursed a lot. They had a bad attitude. They were affiliated with some really shady characters, always caught up in drama. They just, in general, weren't clean-cut dudes that people could trust. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not going to call out the names of these individuals because it's like Voldemort. I don't want to invoke them or invoke their presence. But just understand, there was a group of YouTubers in the early 2010s who basically created a profit model for telling their quote-unquote side of the story and benefiting from incendiary speech. I would say hate speech, but because it's low-key hate speech sometimes, but incendiary speech. So when we talk about Kevin Samuels, we have to give him credit for popularizing terms like high-value man and making the dialogue about the Black community a more mainstream conversation. Kevin offers a perspective from a man who is quote-unquote actually high-value, a man who's a former engineer and has made six figures for quite some time, married but divorced, and has a child. He is representative of a lot of Black men, not the majority, but a lot of Black men. Black man, got married, divorced, couldn't make it work out, has a good paying job or at least a job and feels a little bit resentful about women or jaded about women in general. Um, I think that's part of the appeal. The fact that Black men, he, he like represents what a lot of Black men see themselves as. A good, educated, quality man who is subjected to bullshit and they just have to put up with it and they're tired of putting up with it. And a lot of black men in his audience love his ability to be articulate and express complex subjects in a way that's simplified for his audience and can be easily digested as talking points. For better or worse, this is the case. So Let's talk about what this actually means, though. What this actually means is that the average Black man is incredibly frustrated and jaded about his own existence in America, but also of his counterpart. I think a lot of Black men who watch Kevin feel as if Black women need to be taken down a peg and put in their place because we've gotten too big for our britches and we're saying all these things, we're delusional, we're crazy, and we need to be told how it's gonna be. We need to be told how it is. And and there seems to be this like longing for a time period that they never lived in, you know? Kevin himself is not no spring chicken, right? He's, he's, he's an older dude. But I do feel like a lot of his followers actually range from older to younger, but particularly his most devoted are younger men in their 20s. And I think, 
you know, I don't have the data on this, but just based on my experiences with this fan base, a lot of them do tend to skew a bit on the younger side. And they see Kevin as some sort of like father figure, surrogate father figure. Like he is like a mirror reflection of what they could be like in 20 years. And so a lot of them uh, take his messages very seriously as a cautionary tale and adhere to it religiously. And I think that that same sense of frustration and angst um, is felt really by his younger audience members who are still trying to find their way and create a path for themselves. And they're realizing that the world they're living in is far more complex than they were prepared for. Um, So that being said, I, I know some of you listeners might be frustrated by this portrayal of his audience, but I think this to be the case. I from what I have heard and read and listened to, this seems to be the situation that these men are looking for a voice. They're looking for a representative. And so they found one in him. And even though some of his followers tend to be a bit on the fanatic side, I do feel like the, the situation to them warrants the um, actions that they're presenting, if that makes sense. Like they feel as though the situation in the black community is so annoying and creates so much angst in them that it justifies the things that they do and say and how they treat people online. And this really does matter because it, it, it has like, a ripple effect in the Black community. I mean, after all, Kevin is a household name now. He's big time. He's interviewing with celebrities. He's basically a celebrity. Almost, it seems, within a few months, he became this figure. And I think he symbolizes something more to Black men than I think Black women understand. And so I wanted to talk about that because... It kind of just shows where the Black community really is at right now. Um, So as a Black woman, how do I feel about this? Like, how do I feel about the fact that his message seems to resonate with Black men? But when I watch it, I'm just not understanding the appeal, right? Well, first, to be clear, there's a lot of Black women Who support Kevin Samuels? Like, I know we like to characterize his base as only men. And yes, I did just talk about the men who follow him. But those are his most devoted followers. But some of his silent supporters are the ones who call in, the ones who probably contribute money, who are willing to go on the record and say that, hey, Kevin Samuels helped me get married. A lot of Black women actually do support Kevin Samuels. And I think we don't like to talk about that because that would mean admitting that all Black women are not on the same page about things. I know we like to portray a united front, but that's actually not the case. Like, there is a split between conservative Black women and more modern and egalitarian, metropolitan, cosmopolitan Black women. You know, there, there's a real split here. 
And as a black woman, I'm not sure how I feel about it because although yes, black women are not a monolith, I do feel though that it it may not be in the collective's interest to support a man like Kevin Samuels because of what he represents to black men. I don't think even the messages that Kevin Samuels espouses are in the best interest of black women. Um, Actually, there's some things that he said that call into question his real motives and why he would say something like that. Like sometimes he'll say something. I'm like, why would you say that? You know what I mean? So let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. What it ultimately comes right down to is, are you matching your man's hustle? Are you matching your high value man's grind? Are you matching his energy? And if so, you would understand that he has options, he deserves options, and it's your job to make sure that he does not exercise those options. Yeah, you see what I mean? Like, <laughs> there are several clips of of Kevin basically saying that um, if you're a woman that your priority is to make sure a man doesn't cheat on you by giving him everything he needs so that he doesn't have to cheat. I got to find the one clip where he was telling this young woman that she needs to act like she needs a man. And so basically tells her that, well, what are you doing tonight? And then she said something or whatever. And then he said, well, you should be, he said, it's going to be 11 o'clock PM on a weekend. You should be on your knees implying basically that she needs to have a man and at 11 o'clock at night, you should be servicing your man. Like you should be acting like you need a black man. And it's weird because not only is that very degrading as if to suggest, well, (laughs) the only way you can get a black man is having sex with him, which is obviously not the case. (laughs) But it's the fact that like, He's telling women to accept cheating as a way of life. And if you get a good man, accept that he'll cheat on you as if being a high value man shouldn't also imply having good character. Like I said, it's very strange, but is it really in black women's interest to tell them to accept bad partners who don't love them enough to stay faithful? No, it's really not. You know what I'm saying? But Women will gladly accept this message. Black women will gladly accept it. And I think that that's fascinating because I, I truly believe it comes from a place, at least from, as a, from a woman's perspective, it comes from a place of like you basically just giving up uh, a nihilistic perspective, one that's very cynical about the nature of men and how they can treat women, what they're capable of. Like you would have to be a very cynical woman to suggest that, well, that's just how it is. And that's just how men are. They, they, they have options, they can cheat. And it's my responsibility as a woman to make sure he doesn't have to. Like what? Why are you taking on something that's not your fault? Like if a man decides to cheat, then there's nothing you can do. But it's it's a cynical person that we're dealing with. They don't genuinely believe that good men who are 
you know, kind and faithful and make good money and can take care of you, they don't believe these men really exist. They believe there is a catch. And the catch will always be that he will never just be yours. You got to share him with the community kind of thing. But like I said, that's a very cynical perspective to have. Is it true? I don't know. It depends. But the fact that there seems to be such a, an interest in getting a high value man when it seems in most contexts is just send, it tends to center around finances alone, that kind of says something about what Black women prioritize collectively, not as individuals, but collectively what we prioritize and ultimately what we're willing to accept. Like what kind of treatment are Black women willing to accept as long as they're being taken care of, as long as they get to be a, a housewife, as long as they get to, you know, not have to worry about bills and where their next meal is going to come from. Like, what are Black women willing to accept so long as the bills are paid? And I think that the fact that Kevin Samuels has tapped into this deep insecurity that Black women have about being alone is very diabolical in a way. Because, you know, it's to the point where even regular Black men, when they want to insult me for no reason, like literally they'll, they'll, they can just insult me at any point in time. This has happened a lot. The first thing they'll say is, this is why black men don't want you. This is why men don't want black women. Look how unattractive and ugly you are. Who would want to put up with you? Like that's the first thing that they say. They, they, they attack your worthiness of love and value. And they say, well, you're not valuable. This is why, look at you, you're an ugly, dark-skinned woman. Nobody wants to be with you. Nobody wants to put up their attitude. Like, regardless of whether I have an attitude or not, they're going to find a way to demean me and specifically attack my worthiness. And so the fact that Kevin Samuels has um, picked up on the fact that Black women feel incredibly unworthy to the point where we would accept any sort of treatment so long as we could get some sort of financial protection is very interesting. And a lot of his message that he sends to women is, don't be delusional, settle for whoever you can get. It doesn't matter what kind of guy he is. Just find a man because your main concern is to be of use to men, really regardless of the type of man that he is. And I, I find that very troublesome. I do, because at this point, that doesn't, that's not being said out of care for Black women. That That's not someone who loves Black women and says, hey, I truly care about your happiness and well-being. That's coming from a place of, I need Black women to submit so Black men can be happy, so my followers can be happy. But Black women, your happiness is secondary. Your happiness is not important. And, you know, you need a man for survival. And so this is what you need to do. Who cares if you're happy? Who cares if the man treats you well? Who cares if he hits you, really? Who cares? Is that really love? I don't think it is. So like I said before, I think that you know, he's tapped into the psychology of, of Black women enough to understand that they will even call into his show to get harsh treatment and quote-unquote tough love and to be insulted about their weight in front of a bunch of people, hundreds of people on a live stream. Why? Because they desperately need validation and they desperately want someone to tell them how to get a man. Like they just want a man by any means necessary. And when you're a woman in that position and you're that desperate and you're that down bad, you're willing to accept any terms and any conditions. So if a man 
that you think as better than the average guy who makes maybe more money than the average man tells you this is what you need to do. You need to get on your knees. You need to cook and clean. You need to show him that you need him. How bad do you want him? You need to act like it. Act like you want a black man. You know, like, don't accept those terms. Anything to avoid the worst thing ever as a black woman, which is to be alone. So what does it say about the black community, right? Like, what does it say that a guy like this who can just say like weird things can be actually popular? And it's like no one really questions the things that he says that kind of don't make sense. She's like a kid or a puppy in her approach to the market. What does that mean? Puppies are always happy to see you. Kids act like, wow, whoa, that's cool, bottled. You see what I mean? Like, it's 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 a little nonsensical to compare women to children or pets because, like, we're human beings and we're grown women. So, like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a little weird to me. It's a, it's a really weird comparison to make. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't make much sense to me. I'm not going to lie. Uh, he kind of sounds like this, like infamous Thomas Jefferson passage where he compares women to pets as well. And I'm like, that's a little, that's a little bit, that's a bit much, but I don't know. Maybe the listeners of this podcast don't have a problem with being called a small child and we lack any real emotional intelligence or intelligence at all. And we should be treated like pets or children something to be kept or um, kind of discarded when we don't, when we're no longer needed or necessary. You keep them around because we're loyal kind of thing. Yeah, that's a little strange. It's, it's a little strange, you know, to, to say that to, to actual adults. But I think that it just generally shows that the Black community is invested in creating and perpetuating narratives that solely suit one party over another. What do I mean by this? So basically the way I see this weird gender war that we're in is that it's an issue of competing narratives, right? I was watching this really good video by Philosophy Tube. If you watch Philosophy Tube, it's like this like trans woman on YouTube who talks about, you know, philosophy and like current events and stuff fascinating stuff. Love that YouTube channel. And she was talking about phenomenology. You don't know what that is, but basically it's like a branch of philosophy that basically just says how you experience reality is based on your consciousness. So you're basically seeing things from a first person point of view, and that's how you see reality. And what she was basically trying to say, which I thought was a fascinating uh, point to make, is that if you have an object in front of you, let's say you're holding a, a rubber ball in front of your hand, you can move it to the left or to the right, up and down. Your view of that ball changes, but you're not saying it's like four or five different objects based on the angle at which you're turning it or the direction that you're moving it. It's still considered one ball. So you're experiencing this reality first person. And you just assume that regardless of the angle that you're turning it, that it actually is the same object. It is still the same rubber ball. 
And one thing that she points out, don't worry, guys, it's going to make sense in a second. Basically, what she was trying to point out was that in a lot of cases, the way we perceive reality from a phenomenological perspective, a lot of times is not like we're observing our reality and then taking facts and data and then saying, oh, this is what that means. In actuality, what we tend to do and what we're noticing now, like I guess within the past five or six years, is that people are constructing narratives based on that first person view. And that shows their values, meaning what they value, what they care about. And then based on those values, they project that onto the world and find meaning through it. That kind of matters here. Because what ends up happening is in these conversations between Black men and Black women, and they're going back and forth, and you have Kevin Samuels supposedly pulling up receipts and data and saying, well, this is the way things are, because if I'm pulling up this graph and this, 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 and this, I'm making this conclusion. It comes across to his listeners as fairly reasonable because they're thinking, oh, well, he's just coming from an objective point of view. And then looking at facts and saying, this is the factual observation and the logical conclusion based on the data he has presented. That is our reality. But what's actually happening is he's basically, (laughs) he's basically um, starting not from observation, but from a values standpoint. So his values and what he believes and then projecting that and saying, okay, I'm looking at this phenomena. Oh, look, here's some data. Oh, look, that conveniently serves my political purposes. Fantastic. See, that proves that this is factual and we've reached a logical conclusion. You see the difference? You're From one perspective, you're just observing and then concluding. The other perspective, you're not just simply observing, you're starting from your values for what you believe in and then projecting that. And then you seek information to confirm what it is that you believe. And I noticed that, remember when I had the example of that rubber ball? I feel like the Black community, what we're doing from the first person perspective is we're moving the ball in different directions and from different angles And calling it different things instead of just realizing it's the same thing. It's the same rubber ball. We're just moving it up and down to the left or to the right, or even maybe all the way to the side to the point where we have to see it only through our periphery, the periphery and thinking it's a completely different object because you're seeing it from a different angle. When in actuality, black men and black women are experiencing something very similar, which is coming at it from a different perspective. Hopefully this makes sense, but the point I'm trying to convey is that I feel like in a lot of situations, we have constructed a narrative. Black men have constructed a narrative. Black women have constructed a narrative based on their values, what they believe about the world, what they believe about themselves. And then they are projected that and said, okay, well, for example, if I'm a Kevin Samuels, I believe that women are like children. Women are like pets. They're inherently untrustworthy. So what does that mean? Because that is my base belief about the nature of women. I'm going to seek information that confirms the fact that women are not trustworthy, that women only want men 
for their money and their resources. And so because of that, I'm going to pick as much data as I can to confirm that women indeed are self-interested picking men because of their financial status. And then I'm going to tell you, see, this confirms that women are flighty. You can't rely on them. They're untrustworthy and even vindictive and manipulative. And if you are not careful, they will take your money. Black women, maybe their value is that black men are inherently untrustworthy, that they are not reliable and that they will let us down. So what we'll do is we will pick some data and some statistics from somewhere and we will say, hey, look, look, black men, look at all the things you are doing to us right now. We cannot trust you. We cannot rely on you. And as a result, this is the logical conclusion of your actions. And that means that we have to respond in kind. Maybe that means we need to divest or maybe it means we need to even perhaps do the opposite and attach ourselves to black men because it's better to get with the winning team. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what a lot of women are doing. They're saying, I can't survive in this world without a man or without a husband. So yes, some of what you said may be the case, but I can attach myself to black men to protect me from the black men that you are complaining about. Does it sound crazy? Yes. Is this what's happening? Absolutely. (laughs) And so I feel like these competing narratives cannot exist at the same time. It's the same object. It's the same issue, but we're seeing it from two different angles. And so because we're convinced if these are these are like two completely separate objects and they're not the same thing, we're going to have a whole situation on our hands. These narratives are fighting with each other and this war is playing out on social media. Quote unquote war is playing out on social media. And no one can see the commonality between the two, right? You're coming from two different perspectives, but it is the same object. They can't see the commonality. They can't see that our lived experiences, our our, our reality is actually not that far apart. At this point, there's this huge chasm that we cannot cross and we cannot overcome. It's like we're at odds with each other. You know what I'm saying? And I see this more and more every single day, like, People, when they're having conversations with Black men or when they're having conversations with Black women, they feel like they're in an alternative universe. They're like in an alternate universe where up is up, up is down and down is up. And they express all the time, how did we, how did things get this bad? How did we become so divided that we can't even agree on simple things? We can't even have a simple conversation at this point. And the reason why we've reached this reality where we've gotten things have gotten this bad we're so divided we can't agree on anything is because of the fact that everyone is championing their narrative everybody has their narrative everybody has their side of the story and the thing about narratives is that in today's generation nobody wants to really disprove the narrative nobody wants to fold and admit that their narrative has some holes no nobody wants to do that we've created a group of people in in this society where we don't rely on empiricism and logic and reason like we claim. What we do is we start from a position. We start from value and then work from there, right? No, we have created this like, I think it's like a philosophical issue, honestly, where literally your narrative cannot be challenged. It cannot be questioned. And so as a result, because we're relying on narratives and less less of just uh, observations, 
empirical data, we're solely relying on the stories that we tell ourselves because we want to put emphasis on the lived experiences of other people. You know, we want to put we want to put like uh, emphasis on the experiences of people who weren't able to tell their story before this point. Social media provided like this level playing field for everyone to tell their story. And so now people have, you know, brought together these narratives to, to, to create this big, huge narrative that cannot be questioned. And I think that when Black women and Black men are coming from two opposite sides with two different narratives, that chasm is only going to get wider with time because no one wants to admit to or at least acknowledge the shared experiences and the shared realities of our people group. And men like Kevin Samuels, he gets to be the champion of a narrative. He, he's like a, a warrior for Black men who feel like they have been maligned, misunderstood, and they have been... Um, disrespected because I think the disrespect aspect is really big for this group. They feel so disrespected by black women that they feel like the only way to um, solve this issue is to quote unquote, get back at black women by pushing our own narrative and pushing our own interests. And there's no way to end this madness. There's no way. There's no way to end this madness. You have to be more and more radical, more and more uh, fringe. So that way you can attract more people. Does that make sense? I've found that with online radicalization and the way it works, once you've constructed a narrative, the narrative has to keep rolling. You can't just stop it here. It becomes a bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger story that encompasses more and more players, more and more conspiracies, and more and more, um, I guess, world events to the point where it's like you have to provide an actual answer or a solution to the problems that you're experiencing. It can't just be a narrative. No, it has to be, it has to end. There has to be an end point and it's guiding you towards a solution. And I think that the solution that both sides are coming to is to walk away and to say, there is no reconciling and there's nothing that we can do. And this is the way it is. So I feel like I can see Kevin Samuels, the end conclusion that he will reach after doing this work for a while. Mark my words. I want to see if this is the case. I think the end conclusion will be after he spent so much time talking about how bad Black women are and how, you know, whatever, right? Whatever he likes to say. I think what's going to end up happening. Sorry, y'all. I got a call. Um, the end conclusion is going to be we need to leave Black women alone. Black men date, you know, as many non-Black women as you want. The only solution is to leave them alone. Now, I don't know if he said this yet, right? I, I genuinely don't know. And I think the only reason why I'm not convinced that he's made this a huge part of his platform yet is because there's so many Black women calling in. There's so many Black women who listen to his stuff and watch his content and even financially support. So I think that this narrative is going to get so big that his followers are going to say, Black women are this bad. I don't know if we should even be with them anymore. And he's going to tacitly agree because the narrative is too big. It's grown too big. It's not just about Black women just not being manageable. Now it's Black women not being manageable and we're rebellious and we don't listen and all we do is cause problems 
and blah, blah, blah. And it's going to get up, become a bigger and bigger and bigger issue. It's going to be, now black women have always caused problems. Black women, black women have always been like this. You can go back in history and see black women have always been like this and da, 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 da. The story is going to grow and grow and grow and grow and become more and more fringe until it's like, well, why, why should we be with them? And for the record, this has also happened on the black female side of the equation. Uh, I should say maybe black women's response to this sort of online manosphere is, is, is similar in a way. So why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because when I see Kevin Samuels, I think he's revealing to the black community that we are in a crisis. And it's weird because Kevin is seemingly creating content to you know, solve a problem or maybe help Black people, help Black men, help Black women. But he's actually part of the problem. He's just elucidating what the problem actually is and how bad it's going to get. Because I think this is, is just a sign that the Black community is not really ready to have the conversation, right? There's just a lot of bickering. There's a lot of arguing. It's only going to get worse. So what do I feel about that, right? What do I feel about the Black community just becoming a cesspool of radicalization, radicalized perspectives and views, and then no one can reconcile and come together. Honestly, I don't know who's going to have to step in and bridge the gap, but I don't think anybody will. I don't think anyone's brave enough to because they would they would basically receive the ire of both Black men and Black women, right? That's the problem. I am a living witness to this. Um, I have done videos calling out men, but I've ha- also had videos calling out Black women. And it's like, once you deviate from the narrative and say, hey, I want to hold you accountable, it's a problem. I can't sit here and say over and over and over again how women are oppressed and women are oppressed and women are oppressed and then turn around and split away from the narrative for a moment, take a brief break and say, hey, you know, women, you also perpetuate the same issue and you're doing whatever. Oh, no, it's going to be chaos. This actually happened to me. I did a TikTok, you know, talking about black women and homophobia in the black community and I've already talked about a little bit as to why I got the response that I got. I did a live stream about it. But anyway, and what ended up happening was that like, whoo, chow, it got so ridiculous. That video went viral on Twitter and a lot of black women were calling me a mammy and a pick me and everything else. Like they felt betrayed by me. Because I would counter their narrative and offer a bit more complexity. They did not want that. Like, their narrative does not include them being an antagonist at all. It didn't matter that I had previously, you know, spoken out against things that hurt Black women and I did things to benefit them collectively. It did not matter. In that moment, I was completely contradicting the narrative that they had constructed about being always the victim and never part of the problem. And... It was an issue. So, no, I don't believe anyone who would dare to try to step in the middle would be received well. I think the opposite would happen. I think they would be received poorly, and I think that it would cause real issues. So what does this all mean? I mean, I think at this point, I'm hoping, and I know this is going to sound really sad, but I'm just hoping that someone's brave enough to do it I mean, there are people who try to approach this from a more objective standpoint. Uh, There are some YouTubers who tried their best. And granted, complete objectivity is not possible. We're all biased because of our experiences. But 
those people don't have huge platforms because they're not pushing a real narrative. So they don't, no one really wants to uplift them and promote them. So I think you have to be willing to be a little problematic and, you know, be incendiary even to kind of become successful. If you're not willing to do that, if you're trying to be super objective and unbiased, I don't think you're going to go anywhere, right? Everybody wants their biases confirmed. So if you're not doing that for a very specific group, you're not going to, you know, you don't know your, your, you don't know your target audience well, and you're not going to rise to fame. So I don't know. I think this exposes a deeper issue in general with American society, how everything is becoming super biased and everything's like super opinionated, even our news. But maybe that's a topic for another day. But anyway, so final verdict, Kevin Samuels is a misogynist. Kevin Samuels is not really good for the Black community, but I do think that his his influence is important to recognize because of the fact that I think Black people need to see themselves. You know, some people say that, you know, Kevin is a purveyor of truth and he's just telling it like it is and people need to listen to him. But I actually think he's just telling a, a form of truth, right? His truth based on his experiences and the experiences of the men that he knows. But to say that he has some sort of objective truth, I, I just don't think is realistic. Just based on the few clips I played for y'all, like, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I think that, you know, we need somebody like him to expose just how many Black people are willing to jump off a cliff to, to protect this narrative as much as possible. I, I think we need this narrative. I think we need to see just how many Black people are willing to engage with this before we realize it's a real issue. I do. I think that people needed to see that this is never going to end. It's never going to stop. That there's ne- there's not really a united front for Black women the way there is for Black men. I think there's a lot of Black women who support Kevin Samuels. A lot of Black women who really, really, really want to get married and, and you know, have a, a, a man. So they're willing to do anything to get it. Even if it means supporting a man who whose narrative kind of puts them secondary. But anyway, want to say thank you again for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And I just hope that it provokes some thought in terms of how we got here and where we go from here. Um, But if you have any questions, let me know and I will see you in the next one.